Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk, the Rev. You gotta reach right out and love each other. Never push or shove another. Unless you're angered by something that they've said and then be free to kick them till they're dead. And I'm Buster, only working from my home in New York. Uh, let's get into it. It's our first off-season podcast, Taylor. Very excited. I think, uh, you know, we're doing one today. We'll do one next Friday. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the idea here. We're going to try and keep it as weekly as possible. We're even working around. I'm going to be out of town for a week, so working around my vacation. Uh, yeah, this is, this is exciting. I mean, there's tons of news. I was putting the rundown together last night. And I, I mean, obviously, it's been five days since we last recorded, but I was like, this is this is a meteor rundown than I put together in a long time. So we've got a lot of t- stuff to talk about today. Yep. For example, the Dodgers agreeing to a one year contract with Andrew Heaney for eight point five million dollars that uh, raised my eyebrows. I'll be talking about that with Carl Ravage coming up. Justin Verlander threw for scouts yesterday, clocked in ninety six miles per hour. Remember, he's a qualifying offer in hand from the Astros at eighteen point four million. Uh, reliever T.J. McFarland agreed to a one-year $2.5 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. The other day, the White Sox picked up the $16 million option for 2022 on reliever Craig Kimbrell. Alex Bregman had surgery yesterday on a wrist. Uh, more context for how he struggled in the postseason, that's for sure. First pitch is part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. The last podcast we did last Thursday, we talked about the news that Buster Posey uh, decided to retire. Well, here's Buster meeting with reporters last Friday talking about his decision. The reason I'm retiring is I, uh, I, want, I want to be able to do more stuff uh, from February to November with my family. Um, physically, it's much harder now. Uh, and to be honest, it's hard to, hard to enjoy it as much when there's the physical pain that you're dealing with uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, it was just getting to the point where uh, things that I was enjoying were, uh, were not as joyful anymore. And um, no doubt the camaraderie with, with the teammates in the clubhouse and uh, you know, the thrill of, of, of winning a great game I'll miss. Um, but yeah, I just think weighing all, weighing all those things, it, it, uh, was ultimately why I didn't really feel like I, I wavered at all during the year. He'll make a speech at Cooperstown someday. That's for sure. Speaking of the Giants, Farhan Zaidi was named major league baseball's 2021 executive of the year. That voting was done at the end of the regular season. All of the major baseball writer award finalists were announced yesterday and we'll be running through those with Carl Ravitch. Uh, and asking the question, were there any major omissions with those finalists or with the Gold Glove Awards? Taylor, what do you got? Buster, we've been pushing it. We will continue to push it. NBA Today on ESPN, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. You can watch that, of course, on ESPN, the ESPN app, or listen to it as a podcast wherever you are listening to this podcast. And college basketball tips off tonight. You should be listening to Bald Men on Campus, ESPN's college basketball podcast. We're going to tape this week's show tomorrow, so the guys are going to recap the Champions Classic, 
Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas at Madison Square Garden. Coach K's final season. That those games are on ESPN. So Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, and Lafonso Ellis. Though they're going to be in the building, they're going to recap these monster matchups, the vibes in the Garden. Uh, I know they're very excited to be back in stadiums with fans. This is kind of the last sport that has yet to uh, kind of turn the page on on all that. So bald men on campus. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All aboard. It's the Revy Train with Carl Ravitch. Ravitch, the host of baseball tonight, play-by-play man for ESPN. And Ravi, uh, I'm guessing you're you're docked in the station at this point, right? When it comes to baseball, because we're <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with the labor situation before we get to a lot of other more interesting topics. Just generally speaking, tell me how you're feeling about the labor situation. Well, since it is a is a family program, I won't use any any foul language, but not good. I mean, it's it's no. uh, and, and not surprising. I mean, you go back to uh, the first time we talked about this. Who knows how many weeks or months ago? And there would be zero surprise if there was a work stoppage. In spite of what appeared to be harmonious relationships, it just never seems to go that way. And unfortunately, had had one official tell me actually at the World Series, uh, th- there is there is just very little respect uh, for the process, the other side. And that's not at all telling you which side was talking to me, I promise you. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's zero optimism about anything labor related. To their credit, they're kind of keeping it quiet, which I think is a good thing. But it's it's not good. Not good at all. And, and Ravi, last week I had Jeff Passon on the podcast and we both gave a date in which we we're guessing, you know, when this would be settled. His was mid-February-ish, like February 20th. And I, you know, disagree with him. And I said to him, I said, because that that's not really a hard deadline. Like that, there's nothing about February 20th range that compels either side necessarily to get a deal done. The players haven't started getting paid yet. 
and the owners haven't lost any games in the regular season, which is why my guess is around March 20th. I think that uh, the closer we start to the get to the start of the regular season, that's when we'd have a, a deal. You want to you want to join in? I feel like it's going to be like a baby shower. We're going to guess the birth date uh, when yeah, the labor sure. situation can be settled. Give me a date when you would guess. Uh, well, I, th- I think we have I think there's one of these rallying cries at the end of November, because I do think at some point both sides will realize that come December one, we go dark for a while. And that's why I agree with both of you that it's going to be February or March. Uh, I'll throw March 1st out there because I do okay. I do think there's a there's a symbolism in, in it's the first day of March. And we got to get these guys back on the field and we got to get the business in order. But I do think there'll be a, a, a groundswell through the end of November to say we, we really tr- and then it's going to be we tried. We just couldn't get it done. And I'm curious, you know, which forces on both sides get really vocal. You know, which among the yep. which owners start to go, what what are we doing here? Uh, you know, let's get this settled. And on the player side, um, some voices of moderation who are going to be like, we need to keep the train running, which seems to be appropriate in my conversation with a rabbi train. All right. Uh, let's talk to uh, or let's talk about um, some other more interesting topics. Yesterday, Justin Verlander threw. Uh, he's, of course, coming back from Tommy John surgery, which happened a little bit more than a year ago. Um, he looked great, apparently threw up to 96 miles per hour. And I had a conversation with a baseball evaluator yesterday about this. And, you know, he mentioned, boy, last winter, Craig Kimbrell got that deal with the Yankees, 11.5 million. You know, his view is it'd be hard to justify making an investment, you know, much more than that in terms of average annual value. And I, I disagree with him and I'll tell you why. Uh, I understand that you've got an old pitcher who is coming back from Tommy John surgery, but I talked about, you know, the unique nature of Justin Verlander. Like if you gave yep. him, if you gave Justin, okay, here are 10 things that you need to do in, in terms of your daily work to come back and be a great pitcher. He would check every box every single day. Uh, and on top of that, Carl, he's a hall of famer. Like he's going to get a vote of the hall of fame. And so if all you were to get out of him was uh you know, three years, and I'm just throwing out a, a number. Let's say you got him at three years and $50 million. Uh, the fact that it's Justin Verlander, I'm okay with taking that risk because I know the guy's work ethic. And at the at the worst, let's say he's not as effective as he was in the past. And he has, like Chris Sale, has some ups and downs as he comes back next year. I'm still feeling okay about it because of who he is. What do you think? A hundred percent with you. I think um, I think what Max Scherzer did, you know, in the second half of the year with the Dodgers, uh, I, that that's the class I put him in. Um, and if you're throwing 97, and you haven't really done anything up until now, and you, uh, you know, you assume that Justin is that guy, and he looks at this landscape and says, you know what, uh, I am for the first time gonna gonna find a team that's gonna win a championship, and I'm gonna be a part of it. I've seen how other veterans have impacted clubs and, and, and that's where he's at in his life and his career. I, I don't need to be part of a rebuilding project. I don't need to be with the Tigers. Uh, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to think about the Dodgers and I'm going to think about the Yankees and I'll, I'll think about these major market teams that are in competition. Uh, I'll get 15, $20 million for two or three years and I'm good to go. I, I would, I'd be all in on him. I don't. I don't think there's anything about him. We saw Clemens at the latter part of his career. These guys that have won Cy Youngs, that have won World Series, that know how to pitch, are given another lease on life with a Tommy John surgery. 
think about the other guys that are out there now as pitchers. Uh, Verlander has got to be for me at the t- at the top of virtually every list with Max Scherzer. So that's where I go. Yeah, uh, and he is something like I think seventy two wins away from three hundred. You know, and I know Justin in the back of his mind, he's thinking he's going to get that. You know, I remember having a conversation with him back in like 2011 uh, about why he loved Nolan Ryan. And he said, because the guy was a power pitcher all the way to the last day of his career. And I think that's Justin's mindset. Like he's going to. Well, why wouldn't it be with Tommy John surgery, Buster? That is exactly what you are. You've been given, you know, you've been given uh, a stronger arm that's got more bullets in it. I, I don't understand why there would be. A question about it. Um, and I think Sale next year throws 96 to 98 again. I, I just think they do. Yep. And Verlander, of course, has a, uh, a qualifying offer in hand from the Houston Astros yeah. uh, one year and $18.4 million. The Dodgers did not extend a qualifying offer to Clayton Kershaw. And there were a lot of people scratching heads around baseball about that decision. I think that's just purely respect for from the Dodgers for Clayton Kershaw, legacy player, saying, look, we're not uh, – if you feel like you want to go at the end of your career and go pitch someplace else, like for the Texas Rangers, uh, then you we're not going to hold you back with draft pick compensation. But I think everybody assumes that eventually Kershaw and the Dodgers will work it out if Clayton wants to continue. Yeah, a little bit. I, I You know, I, I think to their credit – um, I'm not sure if Theo was the, the sort of the blueprint guy for this, but you know, there, there does come a period too, where you recognize the inability to post when you need somebody. Um, he wasn't available, uh, at the end of the year and then the postseason. at some point there, there's a reality that we, we've got to really revisit how we're going to approach this, treat him, what we're going to offer him. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a sentimental feeling that Kershaw will end up there, but I, you know, from a front office perspective, uh, boy, you, you just signed Andrew Heaney for a year and you didn't offer arbitration. Uh, you didn't offer a qualifying offer to Kershaw. I, I, I don't know. To me, I'm reading into what this says about their feelings, you know, uh, maybe different than you do about his real ability and his, and his health and yeah, if he wants to go do that, go go ahead with some other team. And if they're willing to pay you, you you should take advantage of that. But I I do think there's there's some reality here with what they think he's capable of. Very different, un- unfortunately for me, than the Verlander situation. Um, I don't have a great deal of faith, not in his work ethic. We know there's nobody that works harder or prepares more or may have been a better pitcher over the last. 10 years than Clayton Kershaw. I'm suspect of what's left in, in his tank. And I love the guy, but I, I think there's some of that for the Dodgers. Uh, you mentioned the Andrew Heaney signing yesterday, $8.5 million. And you and I both saw Heaney after he went to the Yankees. He was awful for them. Uh, was dropped out of the rotation, wind up uh, you know, sort of filling a mop up uh, role for them. And he was getting pounded doing that which is why when that contract came down yesterday, it was like, whoa, you know, (laughs) like that was the number was surprising because you're thinking after he performed so poorly that, you know, he might be one of these one year, four to five million dollar guys. But eight point five million from that team already, you know, you're kind of wondering, as you do with the Rays or with the Astros, when they pick up a pitcher, when the Dodgers pick up a player like, hmm, they must see something in him that they view as correctable 
very specific information, kind of like when the Astros signed Charlie Morton to a two-year deal after he was awful for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I guess. I mean, there, there's a lot of faith in your own staff to identify and then correct and then improve. <laughs> um, I, so I don't, I don't see it. I, I was, I was really surprised by it. I mean, that would, you know, I, I think you look at some other things that have happened, Wade Miley, you know, wherever Robbie Ray goes, there are guys who have had checkered pasts who have turned things around. Uh, I, I thought this would be the year that Andrew Heaney would, would turn things around, would kind of rediscover whatever it was, you know, that had made him so good. And, and in each spot, uh, you know, with the angels, with the Yankees, it, it didn't happen. So I, that one was very curious. If it works out for them, the Dodgers and him, wonderful. But I, I don't, there wasn't enough evidence for me to, that's eight and a half million dollars. That that's still a good chunk of change. So um, I don't know, bottomless, you know, bank account. We, we can just try this and see if it works. That that's a, that's a hell of a try for, for a team that, you know, is so appealing to so many others. I, I, that was confusing to me. Yeah. And of course, a lot of times when teams pick up pitchers under these circumstances, they look at their pitch arsenal and they feel like, you know what, with more emphasis on this particular pitch, uh, we mm-hmm. think you can be better. What's interesting is, is, you know, I'm looking at Fangraph's page right now about Heaney last year, his fastball got pounded. His slider yeah. was a negative pitch. His changeup was a negative pitch across the board. It's all negatives, which is why I'm going to be fascinated to see uh, Heaney and spring training to see what the Dodgers have in mind. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, just quick, that's your, your point's well taken. I mean, they may have a plan w- w- within their own organization and their own staff how we're going to use this guy. You, you know, hey, I heard Ravitch and Olney on a podcast, and, you know, they were kind of critical of the Heaney signing. They don't know how we're planning on using Andrew Heaney, utilizing that guy. They may have a plan. And for them, eight and a half million to satisfy a plan maybe money well spent. So that's where we, you know, from, from a distance without knowing what their plan is, uh, we open ourselves up to, you know, second guessing and criticism, but they, they may have a, a, like you said, a very specific utilization of somebody like Andrew Heaney. I just don't know what that would be, especially given what you just talked about on the fan graphs page and the negative pitches. Yeah. And look, those questions are not only from from reporters like us. I I love the story that A.J. Hinch uh, told us about the first dinner they had with Charlie Morton, uh, where, you know, Charlie sat down with the Astros people and he was coming off a year. I think his ERA was like five, six with the Pirates. And he he, and you know how uh, self-deprecating Charlie is. And he looks across the table and say, why would you give me a two year deal? (laughs) Like he was confused. And then as they were going through the negotiations, you know, they agreed to terms on the, on the dollar figure, and then they're working on the awards packages and they're dotting all the uh, I's and crossing the T's in the negotiation. And Charlie calls his agent uh, and says to him, hey, what's taking so long? Like, let's finish this thing up. What are you doing? They gave me a two-year offer. Let's grab it. <laughs> right. And his agent was sure to, hey, don't worry about it. This is just standard operating procedure. So I, I kind of wonder if Andrew Heaney, when he heard the number from his agent, had a similar reaction uh, yep, to, to that big number. <laughs> uh, right. So I want to ask I want to ask you, White Sox picked up the option uh, the other day on, on Craig Kimbrell. Not a surprise, $16 million. I got to believe that between now and the start of the regular season, that Craig Kimbrell is going to be on another team because I just can't see him 
uh, in a situation where he's not going to be the closer, especially how ineffective he was after he went to the White Sox. Yeah, people people around that team, um, you know, would would come clean, I think, and say that that didn't work, that the idea of multiple closures and this wasn't this wasn't somebody who was an eighth inning guy. Uh, This was a closer, a bona fide, you know, borderline Hall of Fame closer going to a team that had a well-established closer. Nobody seemed to be willing to jump at the uh, at the possibility of being the guy that pitches those high leverage seventh innings. They wanted to close their closers. There is there is a reason that somebody is great at that and to take them out of that role uh, or to insert them on a team in which one already exists. It didn't work. So I would agree 100 percent with you that. Uh, Craig Kimbrell at the back end of a bullpen, especially what we had seen prior to the Chicago White Sox, uh, is legit. And that's a that is a critical position in spite of the way teams manage postgame, postseason and World Series games. Uh, you, you cannot and should not discount a legitimate closer in spite of the starters that have ended series, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's the guy that you need. And I agree 100 percent that that was a smart move by them and they will eventually move him. Or, or Liam he, Hendricks, although I'd be more surprised. Oh, yeah. The, I, I think Hendricks is as good as he was for them last year. They'll wind up keeping him. Kimbrell, when he was a free agent before he signed with the Cubs, you know, the word was out there that he's only going to sign with a team where he can be a closer. And, and that's something that over the last decade has drifted out of the sport. You know, the guys who say, I need to be the closer. Um, yeah. You know, some pitchers just like the adrenaline. They like the responsibility of that position. He's got 372 career saves. You say he's kind of a borderline Hall of Famer at this point, and that number is going to be important to him. And I think when he got traded to the White Sox, he did exactly the right thing. He didn't make it an issue. Uh, but I think in the offseason, it's easier to go to the White Sox and say, look, move me. Now, I will say, uh, I think the White Sox probably are going to have, you know, it will wind up eating a little bit of the money like maybe, yep. you know, $3 million to get them down to $13 million. But there will be somebody who's going to, a, a team that's going to want the closer that Kimbrell was for the Cubs last year, a 0.49 ERA, 64 strikeouts and 36 and two-thirds innings. He was outstanding as the closer. And, you know, Rabbi, maybe he's just one of those guys who just needs that ninth inning adrenaline. It could be. I mean, the other part of him is you look at you look at 19 and 20, understanding what 20 was. But, you know, you had ERAs of six and a half and five twenty eight. That That's that's a bit of an issue. And then, of course, last year was a was a disaster. You, you, you there there was the 049 with the Cubs, but everything went south. So, yeah, there's something to that. But but 19 and 20 weren't great either. And, you know, he's he is he's thrown a lot of pitches. He struck out a lot of guys in his career over a over a thousand. Um, at some point, that arm changes, but it, it looked great. It looked great when he was, you know, on the team that didn't do anything last year, the Cubs, and it didn't look great when he was he was pitching in the postseason. I, I think there is something to that, Buster. I would think if you could put yourself in that position, and you are you're now traded to a team, and they are removing you from the role that you have spent your entire twelve year career. Um, mastering uh, that that's uh, yeah that uh, look these are humans he's been very human there is a there is a frailty to some of these folks when it comes to changing roles responsibilities um god there there's that door opens in the ninth inning and you get the ball you you've got a superman 
you know, costume on. When you come out in the eighth inning, that means somebody else is Superman and they don't think you are. That's, that's a difficult thing. To me, it's a difficult thing. Let's talk about the awards before you go. The Gold Glove Awards announced the other night. Uh, you had last night the uh, finalists announced for all the major baseball writer awards, AL MVP, for example, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, Marcus Simeon, National League MVP, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., um, look, uh, we're not going to go through the names of every player and talk about everything that they did well. I'm curious, among the, the list of Gold Glove winners and the f- award finalists, where there are two or three that really jumped out of you like, huh, that's a surprise. Because I got to say, and I, you know, Brandon Crawford, what a phenomenal season he had for the Giants. He was at the heart of that. I thought Francisco Lindor was the best defensive shortstop in the National League. That surprised me. And I'd say this, too. American League Rookie of the Year, uh, you know, Wander Franco to me was the best rookie in the American League, but he didn't have the bulk of time. A, he got called up late, you know, the Rays doing Rays type things, uh, and he got hurt at one point. I, I was surprised that Ryan Mountcastle, the Orioles, was not in the three finalists. So you can take it anywhere you want about uh, some of these awards. Well, I... Uh... The, Joey Gallo's name being in that was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, that was a, that was a bit of a surprise to me given, given what we watched and it's really hard. I mean, d- defensive, defensive metrics um, don't necessarily equate always with what you see in the eye test, especially if you're playing late in the season, your, your team is in a playoff race and you, you, you misplay or mishandle the ball. And, uh, you know, that's that's not necessarily fair, and it discounts all the things you've done to that point, and it's one moment in time. But I was a little surprised to see that, 100% on Brandon Crawford. Um, you know, uh, I always, I'm always – the manager of the year thing is is a shock to me a, a lot of times. Um, yeah. The Gabe Kapler thing is simple. He should win. Dusty Baker, I think, should win given the stuff that he had to deal with the idea that Alex Cora took a team that was, that was checked yeah. out. If you, if you want to talk about the impact that a manager has, and this is beyond X's and O's, this is the manager is the guy in charge of making sure that the clubhouse is right. Um, I've said on this podcast many times, the Red Sox took last year off. They didn't try. They didn't play. There was, there was Ron Renneke. There was JD Martinez, uh, Devers and Bogarts. They, they all struggle. But if you just want to tangibly associate impact of manager on team, there's nobody that had a greater tangible impact on a team as a manager than Alex Cora. I mean, he literally yeah. went into the bedroom, shook the kids up, they woke up and they remembered who the hell they were. I, I don't know what more evidence you would need. So the idea that he wasn't a candidate um, is a big surprise. And I would say that regardless of the the relationship or feelings I have about the guy as a person, I don't understand how you, <laughs> how you quantify not having him as a manager of the year candidate. And I will say to this too, I, I say it every year. I, I, Kevin Cash has really, really good players very few of them have been the great players that the, that the division has, but he's now the, the blessing and the curse of Wander Franco is he has a great player now. Like they do have great players on that team, but he, what he does every year with his managing of his bullpen is crazy good, but a long winded answer. Alex Cora should have been a manager of the year. Canada. I don't get that. 
Yeah. So I remember when uh, the first year Joe Madden was with the Cubs and I talked with someone uh, with that organization at that time. And this person said to me, so, you know, I never believed in the idea of a manager making a tangible difference in terms of the number of wins. And he said, Joe Madden had that difference in his first year with the Cubs that he right. changed things. And, and he, and, and that's exactly how I feel about Alex. And I don't know what the number is. Um, I, is it, is it eight wins? Is it 10 wins? Is it 12 wins? It was a significant difference with Alex's manager. I completely agree with you. And just to double back on Joey Gallo uh, winning a gold glove. I, when I saw that, I'm like, Joey Gallo wins a gold glove and Aaron judge didn't that's that there's something wrong in that because I watch, because I live here in New York, I watch them play every yeah, day. Of course. Aaron yeah. judge was a better player this year defensively than Joey Gallo. No, I, I wouldn't argue that. And Joey Gallo has long been a tremendous uh, yeah. athlete and fielder. It, it, when he was in Texas, we, we focused so much on just his home runs. Joey Gallo is an athlete. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. But yep. yes, I, I agree with you on Judge and others uh, others ahead of him. All right, Ravi, thanks for doing this. Uh, I hope that you and I are wrong about the labor situation. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I agree with you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Himbo Paul Amikidi is a researcher for ESPN. He is a honcho in the show Get Up, and he's a uh, wingman for Mike Greenberg on his radio show, and as we know, Hemba, you and I are sort of the standard bearers for baseball at ESPN. Mm, We're constantly, course. hey, what about this on SportsCenter? Or what about that on this show? What about this on this show? Well, there's no baseball being played. How are you handling that? Not, not especially well. I spent, I spent most of my week so far, Buster, like just reading all the offseason stuff that I could, reading all the top 50 free agent lists. Uh, I make notes in this massive Google doc that you're, I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that, that I do this, but like I make sort of project predictions for where I think players might go or for how much money they might get. I, I miss baseball already. I very much do enjoy the, the player uh, player movement part of it. In fact, I think a lot of fans view that as, as in some cases, as interesting as the games themselves, but it's going to be, it's going to be a long winter, especially when you consider the fact that the CBA will expire at the beginning of next month. And I think that's going to cause baseball, obviously a whole host of problems. Yep. 
Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's pretend that they actually have an, a labor agreement in 2022. Great. Okay, uh, the <laughs> Atlanta Braves. I get asked this question a lot when I do radio hits. Should we view them as a serious candidate to repeat as champions? Yes, absolutely. We should. Buster, this is not a team that just sort of came out of nowhere and won the World Series against all odds, even though they only won 88 regular season games. They've won the NL East in four consecutive seasons. This year, their lineup really was the foundation, really carried that team for for much of the season, obviously, and all the way through the playoffs. And their average age was 28.2. It's below the league average, not to mention the fact that we know the Ronald Acuna injury was such a massive hit to that team, which they overcame, but you're adding five or six wins to your ledger next year just by him being healthy. I think you're also looking at a scenario in which Mike Soroka could potentially be an X factor. Obviously, that's still TBD because that is such a terrible injury that recurred last year, but that's another area in which I think if they get a little healthier from the standpoint of their pitching, that's another you know a couple wins, I would just guess. And lastly, Buster, if you look across their system, they were 36 games above 500 last year in AA and AAA combined. And that's something I always like to look at to see as sort of a, an indicator of what, you know, is sort of coming down the pike. And that's often portends future success for an organization. So I think when you boil all those kind of factors together, I wouldn't go as far as to say that the Braves are the favorite, but the Braves have had four really good years in a row and they just happened to win the world series this year, but they're in the midst of it right now. And there's no obvious reason for me to believe they're not going to be good next year. And even in the subsequent few years. I can't wait to watch an evolved Austin Riley hitting with Acuna in the same lineup next year, uh, you know, because the, Riley yes. really, he took mm. off in the second half. So we haven't seen those two forces. I, I have full faith in Ozzy Albies to continue to get better. You know, my son, the, the Braves fan is always like, why doesn't he just hit right-handed? Why doesn't he just hit right-handed? And I'm like, be patient. And I'll give you a potential X factor for next year. And I know my bias Ooh. is going to show here. I think Kyle Wright is an interesting guy to watch for next season because no one's ever doubted his stuff. Um, you know, there's always the question of when he gets into games, does it speed up on him? You know, Mike Schilt at the outset of the World Series, when they put him on the roster, you know, he said to us, look, this is a guy because of COVID and because of what the needs were at the big league level. He hasn't had a lot of innings in the minor leagues. This year, he got a lot of innings in the minors and his stuff is dominant. Excellent. And we we saw that in the World Series in that little hand. And I saw him the day after he had that great outing. What was it? Five and a third innings. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that that was a moment for a young pitcher that's like, you know what? I got it done. And so when they had the World Series parade, Kyle Wright could rightly feel like he was an important part of that and build off of that. Does that make sense? It does. The, The Braves are a team that proved this year that they can piece together pitching as well as any team in baseball. And if they can get, I don't know, 150 quality innings that year from Kyle Wright with that kind of stuff, there is, again, this team, this team just won the world series really shorthanded. Like this team should be considerably better in the regular season next year. Now, obviously once you get in the tournament, sort of all bets are off, but when you consider Buster that the nationally East around them is so questionable and likely so weak again, like this, this team is in the midst of another really, really long stretch, I guess, in which they're going to be the favorite or among the favorites to win their division every single year. Again, they just happen to win the World Series in a year in which they were sort of bad for the first few months. But a lot more things are going to go right for them next year uh, in relation to how they, you know, how they finished the, the regular season last year. Yeah, I think you'll agree with just a, a quick, quick uh, one word answer. They mm-hmm. will be prohibitive favorites to win the National League East next year. Yes. Yes. Odds on. Yep. 
okay, tell me about an undervalued starting pitcher in a market with a lot of good starting pitching. I can't believe that I'm saying this because he's so incredibly famous. But I think Clayton Kershaw Buster, so long as the health is reasonably in a good place, is actually underrated. I, I stunned myself this morning in, in, in sort of uh, going through some of his numbers. And obviously the health is the red flag. And perhaps that's the reason the Dodgers decided not to extend the qualifying offer. But over the last two seasons, he started 32 games, Buster. And in those 32 starts, he has 206 strikeouts and 29 walks. That is a ridiculous ratio for anyone at any juncture in their career. We know the velocity is declining, but we also know, Buster, that he still has elite breaking pitches that will, I think, play up into his mid to late 30s so long as he chooses to continue to pitch. Now, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that a a one-year contract with sort of a second-year option vesting based upon, you know, predetermined uh, thresholds would make sense for for him and for, you know, wherever, you know, wherever he might wind up going. When you consider, well, lastly, Buster, the fact that we don't really ask starting pitchers to do the same things that we used to anymore. Like he could be babied throughout the course of an entire season as he's been in the past and be there to pitch meaningful games at the end. Like gone are the days of us prioritizing, you know, bringing in a starter that can give you 200 innings. Like Clayton Kershaw might only give you 120, but he's going to have an ERA around three. He's going to strike out five times as many guys as he walks. And if you wind up, you know, being fortunate enough to pitch in the postseason, you have to feel pretty good about handing a ball, handing the ball to that guy, even at this stage in his career. So that sort of that's a, that's a very odd answer because he's just so incredibly famous and has been perhaps overrated at parts of the uh, of the last few seasons. But I think we've actually reached a point right now where we're sort of underrating the value that he can provide. What do you think? I agree with you, uh, and I, I I'm fascinated by this. I was talking to Carl about it because uh, I feel like I mean everyone's trying to interpret the reason why they didn't give him a qualifying offer and I mm-hmm. you know Carl believes it's because of the question marks about him I think it's more just a sign of respect that look if you really want to go someplace else we're not going to hamstring you by attaching uh draft pick compensation to you if you really want to go pitch for the Rangers hey Clayton you know what you've done so much for us and, and we will let you do that and uh, so we'll you know have a conversation going forward free of whether or not, uh, you know, you're going to have to turn this down and you'll be attached to draft pick comp. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think he winds up back with the Dodgers uh, and they basically go year to year uh, with mm-hmm. him as we move forward. Um, I want to ask you about Wade Miley. I, I found that to be a very interesting decision by the Reds over the weekend to put him on waivers. This is a pitcher who had an excellent year last year. He, doesn't blow hitters away in an era in which everyone's focused on velocity. He just pitches. And last year he was incredibly reliable. Uh, He was the plow horse, I think of starting pitchers in baseball and the idea that the Reds wouldn't keep him on a one year, $10 million contract, not only signals a lot about him to me, but the fact that so many teams passed on that contract on a one year Mm -hmm. obligation tells me a lot about what the pirates, the diamondbacks, the Orioles, have in mind because uh, they didn't place a claim on him before he got to the Cubs. And I thought the Cubs edition of, of Miley was, was a good, was a good deal for them. Yeah, so, so did I. Well, sir, I'm going to read you the entire list of pitchers in the national league last year to produce more war than he did. Zach Wheeler, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer. That's the entirety of the list. Oh. Obviously just one number, but it does demonstrate the value that he added last year, not only in the terms of the quality of his pitching, but in terms of the volume, as well, we can take we can we can look at this for, for, uh, in two parts. One, even if you don't buy that Wade Miley is going to be as good as he was last year, and you just look at the track record in its entirety, 
what you're getting is a pitcher who's going to give you, I don't know, 150 plus innings. And you're looking at a pitcher who's going to be at least league average. But we don't really care about that anymore. Like I just said with in my Clinton Kershaw answer, we would much rather piece together our rotations than have a league average pitcher give you five or six innings every fifth day. And that's, again, if you're not believing that Wade Miley you know, figured anything out last year, if you're just believing in the track record as a whole. Buster, for the, for the whole history of baseball, that kind of pitcher has been super valuable because you still need to find a way to get more than 4,000 outs every single season. And Wade Miley can get you something like 500 of them. And so that, that to me does speak in some sense to like where the industry is. And I, it is definitely a discouraging trend. Like, like we used to say, like, you know, mama, don't let your sons to grow up to be running backs, right? Because running backs, you know, you spit them out in the NFL. That's the new play to the starting pitcher. Like even it, we're now talking about such a small number of starting pitchers that you're willing to pay and you're willing to prioritize. Whereas the rest of the league, like people like Wade Miley won't exist in 10 years unless baseball radically changes. All right. Last one for you. Uh, Hambo, I want to ask you about a major award omission in your mind. I mentioned to Ravi that, uh, you know, I was surprised that Lindor didn't win gold glove in the national league as good as Brandon Crawford was. He talked about how he's surprised that Joey Gallo got a gold glove and Aaron judge didn't. Um, give me a reward, whether gold glove or the, the finalist, uh, you know, announced by the baseball writers that jumped out of you. Yeah, I got, I got a couple here. Um, we do such a good job now of, of using objectivity to be able to, you know, define these things. So there are no more like these terrible, egregious off the wall misses. Luckily there are a couple of the two things that most stood out to me. One was, um, Brian Snitker not being among the national league manager of the year finalists when that team went on an absolute tear the last two months of the regular season, obviously playoffs, notwithstanding because it's a regular season award. And to see Mike Schultz as a finalist <laughs> after having been fired, it's just sort of an odd, I, a slightly ironic thing, I guess. But that was one thing that stood out to me as far as those awards are concerned. For the Gold Gloves, again, generally speaking, I think they get most of these right because we have, we're so good now in being rooted in the data. But I'm hopelessly biased. JT Real Muto is the best catcher in the National League, Buster. I mean, Jacob Stallings had a really nice year. I know his, his, his blocking numbers, I think, specifically were extraordinary with his you know, pass ball allowance and like that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, for, for awards like these, I use a player's body of work to be able to sort of break ties because defense can be a little bit noisy year to year. And obviously, you're not watching them play defense the same way that you're watching them hit and evaluating them as such. And DT Real Muto has the best arm in baseball. He, he prevents base runners from stealing better than anybody. His framing numbers are always fantastic. Baseball perspective had him third in blocking runs. So across the board, for my money, he's the best catcher in the National League. And oh, sure, I was happy for Jacob Stallings. It's, you know, the Pirates didn't have a chance to win too much this year. So that would, I, I would say, amongst all the you know, awards that I went through this morning, those are the two that stood out. Surprised that Brian Snicker wasn't a finalist for that award. And surprised that JT Real Muto did not win the gold glove in the National League. All right, Hembo. Always great to talk with you. Later, boys. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Tuesday. We got Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew writing in, Hey, Buster, is it possible that Nolan Arenado has a chance to either tie or surpass Brooks Robinson's gold glove total of 16? Nolan is 30 years old and only needs seven more gold gloves to tie, if he reached 16, would he retire as baseball's greatest defensive third baseman? Andrew, the uh, you know I love you, but the word only 
needs seven more. Okay. Only seven, <laughs> and he's got nine that he is a long way away. And I would say this, as we move forward, Cabrian Hayes is going to be a major factor because his defense is special. Also, you wonder Matt Chapman with the uh, Oakland seemingly ready to, to dump uh, salaries, if they're going to move Matt Chapman. And if he goes to the national league, that's going to change the context for sure. Uh, he would be a really nice fit for the Mets, for example. Adam Smith is up next at Schmitty FIA writes in with Posey's retirement. There's been a lot of chatter in TC markets about Maurer's case for the hall. He had an incredible few years, but I don't know if he has longevity or numbers. What are your thoughts? Yep. Hall of Famer, lifetime three of six batting average, three batting titles, MVP in 2009, four top 10 finishes, MVP, six time all-star 2,123 career hits, which is 623 more than Buster. Uh, in his career, 921 games at catcher, 603 at first base. Posey had more games at catcher in his career, uh, 1,093, 229 games at first. But Joe Maurer, in his time as a catcher, was a difference maker. You know, the other day I was texting back and forth with Bruce Bochy, uh, and he talked about what an advantage it always was for the Giants that they had a uh, an elite offensive player at catcher, and the same is true for the Twins. Let's go to Brian at a player to be named later. Brian writes in, love the show. Can we talk about unicorn Joey Gallo, back-to-back gold glove winner, elite feet per second rate and bottom 1% in strikeouts. Ever seen this combo before? No, not with somebody that big. Well, actually, you know what? Aaron Judge is a, is a little bit like that, um, you know, in terms of his athleticism. Uh, but I remember when Joey first came to the big leagues and you see this hulking guy is huge. And I was talking with John Daniels, the, you know, the general manager of the Rangers. And he was talking about how like, like Joey's a much better athlete than anybody realizes. Boy, was he right. Let's go to Don Irvine. What's up, Don? Don writes in now that Kyle Schwarber is a free agent. Do you see him signing with an AL team to serve as a DH rather than the NL considering his defensive deficiencies? And will he get a multi-year deal considering his 2021 season? Yep. He'll get a multi-year deal. Um, I think there's going to be universal DH for 2022. So he'll, he will consider offers from teams in both leagues. Mr. Jakey RS at Mr. Jakey RS writes in now that the season is over, what's the feeling on the crackdown over foreign substances after all the grumbling, do you think it had an impact on the game? Was there a big, big enough sample size? Um, yeah, I think there was, it was clear that there were pitchers affected by it. You know, the spin rates, uh, you could, you know, tell that some pitchers were affected by it. You know, we had Alex Avila on the podcast and he acknowledged uh, and agreed with what I saw down the stretch that there were a lot of pitchers who were actually using foreign substances, uh, good old fashioned bullfrog, that sort of thing. I think they found a middle ground. I really hope that they settle this issue because it really is unfair to all of them. Uh, as I said, during the year when people would, you know, talk about someone like a Scherzer or Garrett Cole as a cheater, I'd be like, I mean, 90% of the pitchers were using something. <laughs> and, and I really would love to get past the conversation. Last one for today, Matt, but covered in confetti at Kayaking Smith writes, and there's been talk on the pod that Seattle, Texas, and Miami may make some splashes this offseason, but what teams would be should be worried about setting up to tank next year? I feel like the Cubs, Guardians, Nationals, and Reds are candidates. Congrats on the Braves World Series there, Matt. Hope you enjoyed your celebrations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I, the Guardians don't tank. Like when we talk about tanking and Taylor, sorry to pick a scab for you. I mean, we look at what the Orioles have done in recent years. We looked at what the Astros did uh, in the early 2010s. 
The last time the Indians lost 100 games was 1991. <laughs> uh, the Indians, or excuse me, the Guardians retool. The Athletics retool. They don't tank. Uh, the Orioles, there's absolutely no sign that they're going to veer from their strategy, which means, Taylor, I'd say right now, whatever the over-under is in Vegas, if you want to retire, I think you bet the under on whatever Vegas comes up with with your team. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Empty account. Bet it all, Buster. Bet it all on that under. I'm going to check that out after we're done. I'm sure it's not up yet, but the second it is, you know where to find me. So thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Again, we're going to do another show next Friday. We had a great batch of tweets this week, so keep them coming throughout the week. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And just to touch on a couple other teams real quick, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, two guys to watch for the Reds. I'm curious to see if they trade them. Uh, if they do, then you wonder if they're going to be retooling. They have too many good position players to actually go into full-on tank. And, and I think the what to watch for for the Cubs, do they make a major expenditure? You know, it was a good sign that they're not tanking, that they picked up Wade Miley. Uh, before we go, I just want to mention we got sad news yesterday. Pedro Feliciano uh, longtime left-handed pitcher, passed away at age 45 in his sleep. Eduardo Perez, our uh, colleague, uh, tweeted out that news. I didn't really know him that well, but everybody that uh, did know him better than I, just they were heartbroken yesterday. So our, our uh, thoughts go out to the family of Pedro Feliciano. Uh, my thanks today to Carl, to Hembo, to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against. Every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner. Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.